welcome to Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby, a podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative for Perinatal Quality Care. TIPQC exists to improve health outcomes for mothers and infants in Tennessee through our quality collaborative that will identify opportunities to optimize maternal and infant outcomes across our state and is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. The Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby podcast is designed for medical professionals and for patients and families across the state. We will focus on all aspects of the perinatal period with special attention to reducing our maternal mortality rate. This podcast is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance in Maternal Health. Welcome to Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee, a podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative of Perinatal Quality Care. I'm Dr. Scott Guthrie, a neonatologist and the infant medical director for TIPQC. Today we have a very special episode. This is the final episode in our current trilogy on TIPQC's Optimal Cord Clamping Project. We want to provide those of you thinking about this project, or those of you who have already started this journey, some information to either inspire you or to help you along the way. So what is in store for today? You're about to hear from some of the leaders from our pilot centers. Let me give you a big overview of how our state quality improvement project works and a bit of behind the scenes of what TIPQC does. First, you have to have a bright idea for something that needs to be done that is actually proven to be better for patients. For ideas of change to work effectively, you have to have a lot of people involved. A lot of different types of people who do a lot of different things. They all get together, look at what all might be involved in the process of delivery of healthcare and what would happen if you ask people to change and how best to make that change. Next, you have to get these people to figure out how to do that. Then you get people involved. These are the people that are typically recognized as leaders at their hospitals. They know how the system works. So what was the actual process with this project? How did TIPQC actually make this happen? We had an idea about a year ago that was actually borrowed from another project. One of our leaders had been working on an international quality improvement project, which was trying to increase the rate of delayed cord clamping in a specific low and middle income country so the babies there would receive the benefit of the extra blood in the placenta. This is how QI works. You see what others are doing and you adapt it to your situation. Tipke Seek leadership said, you know what? We should probably look at doing that. After all, the World Health Organization, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, all these organizations are saying this needs to be done and is the standard of care. We looked at the evidence in the literature, things like the Cochrane Review, which has stated that you're probably doing harm to a baby if you don't delay clamping of the cord. We looked at data that demonstrates that you can decrease your hospital's mortality rate by 5% for every 10% increase in your cord clamping rate. We looked at all this and we said, you know, we need to be doing this in Tennessee. After the leadership from TIPQC said, let's move forward, we reached out to a few people around the state to begin develop the project in something called a toolkit, which explains the details of the project. You can actually access our toolkit and lots of other information on the TIPQC website, and we're going to provide this link in the show notes. As we began to talk to people around our state, we kept on hearing, you know what, we already do delayed cord clamping. We we really don't need this project. This actually happens quite frequently with quality improvement. It's a bit of something called a Hawthorne effect. People always think they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, and a lot of times they might be when people are watching, but when nobody's watching, it doesn't actually happen. 
So we had a really simple response to this comment. We said, can you show us your data that you're doing this? Now, this is another powerful tool in quality improvement. If you don't have data, how do you know what you're doing? We had a couple hospitals say, well, we don't keep data on that. That was interesting. We had a few hospitals say that they were doing delayed cord clamping for 30 seconds only, when the current data suggests 60 seconds is optimal. Now, by the World Health Organization's definition and the AIM TIPQC had developed, what was being done and being reported to us wasn't optimal cord clamping. We then spent about six months developing the toolkit. It got approved by the Tennessee Department of Health Institutional Review Board, which is a board that gathers to make sure you're doing something ethically correct. And this happened around the first of the year. And then we began to roll it out to our pilot teams in late January so things could be up and going and we could announce this project at our annual conference in March. Now, since we did this, we've had open sign up and we have had 30 of Tennessee's 56 birthing centers sign up. Now we're going to do the fun part. So on the show today are five of the leaders from our pilot teams, and they represent hospitals all over our state. We have Kirk Bass, who is a neonatologist from the University of Tennessee Medical Center in Knoxville. Chris Welch is an obstetrician with the Jackson Clinic and leads up the project at Jackson Madison County General Hospital in Jackson. Darshan Shaw is a neonatologist at Niswanger Children's Johnson City Medical Center in Johnson City. We also have Marcelo Raines, who is a neonatologist at T.C. Thompson Children's Erlanger Hospital in Chattanooga, and Parul Zaveri, who is a neonatologist at Labonner Regional One in Memphis. I appreciate all of you joining me today, and I look forward to hearing from all of you as I ask you a few questions. So let's start with this one. What exactly was it about this optimal cord clamping project that made you want to join and then lead your facility as one of the pilot teams? It wasn't something that was very difficult for us to want to engage in as we were already doing delayed cord clamping for about 13 years, although we were only doing it for 30 seconds and really weren't documenting it in any regular fashion. Once we saw the data about the benefit, it was really fairly easy to want to delay that for another 30 seconds for a total of 60 seconds of optimal cord clamping to see the benefit of that to our babies. I think there are multiple things that I thought was very unique to this project. In the past, I have done many quality improvement projects. Number one, this is the most low cost, optimal cord clamping that you don't have to invest anything on. So it's a very easy hospital buy-in and also has a profound implication for both the morbidity and mortality. We started doing delayed core clamping back in 2014, and it was a real struggle for us back then, but we were able to overcome some challenges and we saw a real benefit. And after a lot of work and effort, we we're able to start providing that service for, for little babies. So when we had the opportunity with TIPQC here just recently to participate in the pilot program and help other units, we wanted to kind of step it up a notch in the kind of care we're providing and provide the 60-second core clamping time for premature babies and term babies. So we not only have the benefit of less mortality in the premature babies, but also maybe even better neurodevelopmental outcomes in term babies as well. So it's an opportunity to participate in something even better. I would say the simplicity of the whole concept I mean, it's such an easy thing to do, you know, just wait for a minute before you clamp the cord and hand over the baby. And it has such a big impact on the outcomes, especially in the preterm population. 
So you get so much of bang for your buck. And I think this was the most exciting thing for me to do. So that's why we decided to be a part of the pilot team. Those are some great answers. I'll be really curious as to what you all say to this next question. This is a real important one for anyone who is contemplating a project like this and is something they really want to know. What has been one of the biggest challenges your team has had to overcome? I suspect that would be similar to many institutions and it would be education. How to get all the providers on board and explain to them the why as to the importance of this. So we sent out blast emails, distributed information in staff meetings. We did it at the OB department meeting. We were already doing some of this. So the additional 30 seconds for a total of 60 seconds really wasn't a hard sell. The other thing was we had to learn how to pull together reports to get adequate representation of the data. And to do this, we enlisted the analysts in our IT department at our institution and then added specific areas to our documentation modules, which here we call power chart, to be able to track that effectively. I would say that still is a challenge. We have yet not overcome but it's a hard time finding the all my colleagues and some of the provider to understand being a neonatologist you know when the baby is born and they don't cry and they don't have the breathing we're like just give me the baby and i want to start bag and mask and i want to suction and i want to do everything now with the optimal cord clamping we want to wait for a minute and then we want the obstetrician to start rubbing and doing the stuff on. And we have to just stand. And at that time, baby's heart rate is down and everybody in the resuscitation table, everybody providers. So for them to have them understand to wait for a minute is getting me a little longer. Some are on the boat, some still yet not convinced, but will be convinced hopefully before the hour project comes to end, but I think more and more are realizing that, yes, it does benefit the baby. So I think still we have to look at our individual data and go over with them. We just started this project, but that's to me is my own group people that I thought will be ready to join in, but took a little longer time or is still taking a time. So that's to me is my biggest obstacle. The biggest challenge was culture change and the way that we, I think we helped fight that was just we kind of helped overcome that was education with sharing data and then showing people how it worked by these videos of the sim trainings. And then this time there hasn't really been a, a lot of pushback just because everyone's already accepting of the idea of 30 seconds and it wasn't that hard to move to 60 seconds. I think the biggest obstacle was eliminating the fear from people's mind that not attending to the baby immediately once it's born is going to do harm to the baby. And this is especially true for our preterm population. Change is always scary. And in this project, we had to convince not one, but two different teams, the OB as well as the NICU teams, that this is a good thing for the baby and we should be doing it. So I think I would say that was the most challenging thing. And how did we overcome it? I would say education, spreading awareness, communication, and then a little bit more education and communication. <laughs> that was the key. For our audience, I hope you noticed some of those themes. Education, 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 and then changing the culture. This is a big part of effective implementation and are things that have to be addressed for quality improvement to be successful. It really sounds like all of our pilot teams have excelled at this. 
Okay, I have a fun one for you next. What is something you found easier than expected when implementing optimal cord clamping into your hospital? To be honest, Scott, it is, I think Epic is a blessing. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. We have this amazing parental staff and she, I thought with the data collection, always though is challenge in any, either it's a research or whether it's a QI project to get the data and to get the data of all many babies that born and numerator and all other stuff on. But in Epic, there is a way that you can collect the data and she has found the way. So it is to my best pleasant surprise. It is so easy for her to pull out the data, which I don't have to worry. So I think if you can figure it out how to pull the data from the system that you're using, it's very easy to collect the data that you need for this QI and it does not take a lot of time. Now, Darshan, you've got to be kidding with me. Who would have ever thought that our electronic medical records would be a blessing? I've also heard from some Cerner users in our pilot teams. They've also had the same ease of use and success. Who else? I guess what was easier was actually the process of doing it. I mean, once people were accepting of making the change, then just standing there and not doing something really wasn't hard. We just kind of stood there and we stood at the OB's back and said, hey, I'm right here with you. I'm watching the baby with you. Baby looks okay. You know, I'm glad we're going to be doing this prolonged core clamping time. And right there, if the OB had any questions. And so the act of just waiting and not doing anything was really simple. And then the cord was clamped and the baby was with us. And so the actual act of carrying out optimal core clamping is so easy. That's what I found to be easier than expected was it's just don't just do something, stand there, right? I heard that in my fellowship training and it's so applicable to this moment as well. (laughs) The overall ease at which people accepted the optimal cord clamping project has been very pleasant. You know, there has been very little resistance to it and just an overall encouragement to move forward with this project and that is very refreshing. I have found that when I give my presentation and help educate, I try to cast a good overview of what we're trying to accomplish. And this includes the physiology to begin with and then the evidence-based data that we have for optimal cord clamping and the neurodevelopmental outcomes. And this also includes how feasible this project is and what our overall altruistic goals are. And after that is explained, people really latch on to that and want to improve the lives of those around us. Tell our audience something specifically your team has done to implement optimal cord clamping. Well, we worked on a three front. We first educated the providers at the monthly meeting. So we got a buy-in from provider that was number one. Then we targeted education for nursing through the computer-based learning or CBL. And then we use the computer screensaver that we are coming out with to keep a message going periodically for reinforcement. So we have like the optimal cord clamping, the what the slogan, the poster, or what we have come up with, the same stuff, we put it on the computer screen. So whenever people turn on and turn off, that screen will come off. So basically people will see that multiple time benefits and why it's important. So it will serve as a reinforcement. I think computer-based learning for nursing and then buying in with the provider at the monthly staff meeting, that both has worked really well and that our numbers started to show that. 
I absolutely love that idea. We actually shared this with all of our teams at our monthly learning huddle. And I've heard people are already copying this idea. Every hospital uses these computer screensavers. And the team at Niswanger has tapped into something so simple that reinforces the change idea that you're trying to make. We have a very well-drafted protocol with every small detail outlined, like what is going to be the role of the OB nurse, what's going to be the role of the NICU nurse, what happens if the baby does not cry, how long should you wait before you decide it's time to end the delayed cord clamping. So I think having this, all these small details outlined gives the team who is doing this process a little bit of more confidence and comfort when they are doing this. So they tend to comply more with the whole process? I think that's a really great question. I feel like the data really speaks for itself. You know, people have to have a, a motivation or a reason, a why to make a change. And when they can understand that doing optimal core clamping, something so simple can help decrease mortality by 30% or, you know, whatever the number is around there for very low birth weight babies and have all these great benefits for term babies as well as, you know, for as neurodevelopment. I guess the question is, why would you not? And so our goal with kind of getting this started was just really to share the data in a clear, concise way with everyone that's involved. And the more people's minds that understand the reason why, then there's just this whole wave of people that think, hey, why would we not do this? This is the best thing for babies. Let's get on board. And so when people have a shift in their mindset, that paradigm shift, and they understand that they need to do something different for babies because it's the right thing to do, then it's easy to make the change in process. And so what we did to kind of really help move this forward was just to educate every group. You know, Dr. Shutka would meet with people on the OB side, the various providers, nurses, and help answer questions, you know, resolve concerns. I did the same thing. We met with nursing staff and just had an educational presentation. Did the same thing with the neonatologists and the nurse practitioners. We involved the respiratory therapists. I mean, we had a lot of just sharing of data in a clear way where people could understand, wow, okay, I, I, that makes a lot of sense. And there's less need for vasopressors, there's less need for volume bolusers, there's less need for blood transfusions in that first few days when that IVH risk is so high. Why would we not do something that's so simple that can help these babies? And so I think the best thing that helped everybody get on board and help make this change possible is just education and helping people understand why they should want to do something different. You know, Dr. Shutko had his individual educational sessions with the OB groups. I had individual training sessions with various of the neonatal side staff members and providers. And then we got together and had a grand rounds where he took the first half hour to the second half hour. And we presented this to the whole group. This was recorded. The nurse educators had this recording and they're promoting all the staff to watch this education. And once everybody has this education and they understand the benefits, then why would you not be on board? Why would you not want to make this simple change, which is really just standing there, not doing anything when it's time to clamp the cord for a little while. So it's that's, to me, that's the most important thing, just helping people understand the reason why. I love that, Kurt. That's great. Show them the data and educate them to just wait a minute. You make that sound so very easy. Next question. This might be just a little bit early, but since you're all the pilot teams and have been at this for a few months now, what have you learned or impact have you had so far at your hospital? I can say within a two to three months of starting or implementing the project, our number has more than doubled up. So yes, that is to me is a significant progress. Yes, we have still long way to get there to reach the goal, but doubling up from what we were doing in two to three months 
to now. So that to me is the biggest impact that people started to buy in. So still I need to look at the little dive deeper into the data to see we really how where we really need it. But at the same time, getting widespread use, that's also extremely important. So I think when you have do more than 100% success rate in two to three months, that is always a phenomenal. It's amazing, Darshan. You've already doubled your optimal cord clamping rate in that short amount of time. That is absolutely fantastic. What about the rest of you? I think that it's, I think it's nice to see how much people are willing to do something that's right, even if it takes some work to make a change. One thing I've really noticed actually is during my prenatal consultations with mothers and fathers, they love the idea of doing something helpful. So that's been kind of neat to see the parents, especially the moms are like, wow, I'd love to do that for my baby. That's awesome. If I can help my baby have less risk of death or hemorrhage or whatever it is, I want to do that for sure. So I love that part is how much the parents want to be involved, how much the moms want to give this kind of parting gift from the placenta. That's exactly the type of impact we want to see, an important aspect of quality improvement, getting the patient involved. It will be fun to hear more stories like this with this project. I have learned communication is the key. And along with communication is relationship building. We must get out of our silos that we unknowingly make within our subspecialties and reach out and get to know other people. When I'm on call, I go over to the OB side and talk to them and see what's cooking basically or i go there and talk to them and just shoot the breeze basically i i also give ob residents lectures and that has helped out quite a bit they are the next generation and i feel it's crucial to get them on board again i learned that communication and persistence is key but the impact that i feel it has had is that ob and the neos are communicating more which I think is huge. Whenever we go inside a delivery, they are there talking to us and back and forth. And just having that background or just having that optimal core clamping project that is a common ground between us gets us to talking more. So that's the biggest impact that I've seen. Now, one final question, I'm gonna let all of you go. This may actually be the most important one that I've asked so far. What advice would you give hospitals who are already participating or thinking about participating in this project? To implement this project in your hospital, probably the most important thing to start with is to develop a team. To get a team of people that's representing the OB side and the neonatal side, physicians, practitioners, nurses, everybody that's involved, even like OR staff, anyone who's going to participate, to get a representative from each of those groups in a little focus group, and then just review the data together. Review the papers, have the articles, maybe have an OB talk about how we thought that there was gonna be all these postpartum hemorrhage cases, but the literature has shown there's not. Have the neo side talk about, hey, we thought there'd be all this hypothermia, but turns out there's not. We worried about there being more hypocythemia, but actually there's not. So you're helping everybody in the core team understand the biggest obstacles and then helping the core team understand the data so they all understand the reason why. And once the core team knows this, then figure out how that team can go out into the hospital world and just provide education to everyone involved. And then educate every single group that participates in resuscitating babies and delivering babies. And it's going to have a piece of optimal cord clamping. And once everyone is taught the data, the data is the best motivator. It, it will provide the reason why. To provide the motivation. 
And then we're really fortunate to have a team of people in our hospital that do the data analysis. So it's so nice where they are able to mine the chart and, and they've been able to create a field in the nurses who are already documenting everything at delivery. And they can just now have one more little line that says optimal core clamping, yes or no, duration of seconds, 62, boom, and they're done. And so it's really simple. They created that for us and now they're able to harvest that data easily so we can monitor what we're doing, so we can actually know what we're doing and anything that's measured can be improved upon. So that's been a real benefit too. I think it's important to have that data capture piece taken care of as well. And I think the more education that's done, the better. Once everybody understands the reason, they're ready to participate and then set a date and say, okay, on this date, we're gonna start and then start recording the data and sharing that with people involved. And then what we've also needed to do is like hypothermia have been voiced by many on the neonatal side so every time we have a hypothermia case, we get our little team together again. We look at every little reason why. We try to understand what happened so we can make progress. And we've actually looked at our data from last year and this year. And our incidence of hypothermia was about 5.7% last year. I can't remember the exact number. That's about right. It's like 5.2% this year. So it really hasn't changed. So when you overcome the obstacles ahead of time and help people understand that the, the obstacles that they are perceiving are going to occur are really not supported by the literature, that helps a lot too. So I think that core team with some champions involved, so much education, creating a protocol, and then setting a date, monitoring your data is the, the big pieces of how to make it successful. Kurt, you nailed it again. I think you just hit all the elements of what it takes to make quality improvement work. Who else? Let's leave our audience with some inspiring final words. For those that are thinking about participating in a project like this, I would say, just do it. It is really easy to engage physicians and patients in this project. And the benefits that we see, even in the early stages, are well worth it. There is no need to think, just get it in. That's so easy to be get done. It's a very simple. And it has a, like I explained before, there is no other side effects. And then it's easy to buy in. No other stuff is required from the hospital to participate except just the provider education. So just don't think it just started. I would say be very clear on how exactly you should be doing it and what are the babies, which babies you should not be doing it. It's easier because that's going to be a very, very small subset of babies where you don't do it. So be very clear about the contraindications. I can't stress enough on the importance of education and communication, especially communication when you're just starting off the project. Communicate with the OB at every delivery. Don't just assume that it's going to happen because you'll be surprised how many times you go there thinking, oh, of course, they're going to delay it and they just don't do it because they just didn't remember. So I think communication is the key. You can do it. Be a part of the forefront of medicine. Be a part of the ever-changing, evolving culture of medicine. It may seem like a tiresome chore every once in a while, but these parents and especially these babies will appreciate it in the future. And by doing things like optimal core clamping project, QI projects, and being involved in TIPQC, we're helping more babies survive and have better neurodevelopmental outcomes. That's that I feel is an amazing privilege. Marcelo, I couldn't have said that better myself. It really is an amazing privilege to be able to do something like this and help improve the outcomes of babies in our state. I'm also thankful for all of you for your time today and for your willingness to lead a pilot team and share your insight with our listeners.
For those of you who might be considering this as a project for your hospital, state PQC, as you just heard, this is something you too can do. PIPQC is also happy to share our materials with you and share any insight we can offer. The website for this project, which includes things like our toolkit and other materials such as lectures and podcasts, will be linked in the show notes below. If you decide to use them, be sure to let us know what is going on and if we can be of any help. Thanks for listening to the Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee podcast brought to you by TIPQC. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby presented by TIPQC. TIPQC is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance in Maternal Health. Do you have ideas for a future guest or topic or even have a question you'd like answered on upcoming episodes? Visit www.tipqc.org and click on podcast to submit suggestions and questions to our podcast team. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast to be the first to know when new episodes are available and find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to stay in the loop with our active projects and other relevant news relating to perinatal health in Tennessee.